Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us once again on NapaBroadcasting.com. Our continuing conversations about this year's elections locally as we focus once again on the second district supervisorial race. As I'm joined by James Hinton, he's been with us before, but this time we're going to talk uh, local elections and local politics. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me back, Jeff. Why are you running in this race? What do you think that uh, you can add to the race that none of the other three candidates can? A new perspective. We've had the same local leaders here. Well, we've had the same leaders representing Napa. Jill Teckle, Brad Wagon Connect, Mark Luce, Bill Dodd, Feinstein, Thompson, Boxer. It's the same ticket every year. You know, the same yard signs go up every year. They, they win year after year. We, have, uh, we need new leadership. I have seen in the... Is there a reason in your view, that we need new leadership other than that you want to see different yard signs and a change of names? I mean, do you have a, a you know, experience has a certain value. Why, why do you want uh, to change? Well, first of all, I want to restore the standard of living in the Napa Valley. So in the Mark Luce era in 1996, when the Mark Luce era began, I was fresh out of Napa High. I was... Uh, 22 years old, working at Behringer, making $15 an hour, working in the cellar. Today, veterans that I know are working cellar jobs for less than $15 an hour, and they're working bottling line jobs right now at Domain Carneros for $10 an hour. That's a poverty wage. Recently, the Board of Supervisors had a chance to be progressive and to do something about the minimum wage. They could have gotten uh, an expert from Berkeley to write up a progressive um, platform to bring minimum wage to $15 an hour soon here, just like San Francisco and Seattle. We have a thriving economy here in the Napa Valley. Millions of dollars are flowing into this county. And it's, it's time that um, our workforce gets paid. So $15 an hour seems to be the right price. Talk a little bit about the nexus between the county doing anything and the various cities doing something. And that was part of the issue as far as the county was concerned, was that they didn't want to get out ahead of what the cities were doing. Right. And so the cities have said they're looking for the county for leadership. So if the county can provide leadership to raise minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2019, I think a lot of the members of our city council, I think the Napa City Council, I think uh, they will follow it. I think Scott Sedgley and um, Jill Teckle, Mary Luros, um, you know, I've, I've talked about minimum wage at the city council meeting. They've sh- shown that they, they basically, you know, they but see it coming. But this is not something that the state is doing. It's, it's too late, too little, and it's not even guaranteed. It's set up to where the governor can cut it back, and it doesn't get to $15 an hour until 2022. That's six years away. You want people to keep working for poverty wages for another six years, thinking that it might not be a poverty wage in six years from now? We need to restore wages today, tomorrow. I'm going to put our county on a fast track to a $15 an hour minimum wage. What do you think you could accomplish, even if you were elected, what do you think you could accomplish as one vote? It's leadership. I'm going to be bringing out 
a new way to introduce these topics. I may be having a new way to talk about the benefits of raising minimum wage that will encourage a wise man like a Supervisor Wagon Connect or a, a great leader like Supervisor Dillon to act in concert with me and join me. Maybe, you know, I've only had three minutes at a time up there at the Board of Supervisors meeting. If I had a little more time, if I had the chance to bring forth some, some reports and some experts, I may get them to act in concert with me and support this. I think if I was up there next year offering leadership in uh, medical marijuana or marijuana, as we, we might know, you know, at the 2016 election, it's very likely that recreational marijuana is going to change. And when the laws change... Shouldn't we be waiting for that to change, as we obviously are, on a state level before local municipalities or the county or anything else gets, gets involved at this point? No. I, I think uh, we have a chance to set an example for the rest of the world to follow locally, whether it's the state, whether it's the feds. So waiting for them... They, <laughs> Look at Congress. It's been gridlocked. What are they, 10% approval rating? Okay, so if we say let's wait for the feds to do it, it's never going to happen. Our elections aren't... Uh, but we're going to have some kind of an initiative on the ballot this year. It's unclear Like we had form. in 1996 I mean, to providing... Uh, in 1996, we had something on the ballot. The Compassionate Care Act, uh-huh. which would provide medical marijuana to the suffering patients in our community. Here we are... 19 years later and change, and we don't have a dispensary in Napa. So thinking that the state is going to pass – here's what I'm saying is I'm betting you that we get an initiative on the ballot and it passes this year. And we're going to have new laws regarding recreational marijuana mm-hmm. in California. And when we do, we're going to want somebody around here who understands this, who knows how to regulate it and keep our community safe. Because right now there's nobody on the board of supervisors that's going to be able to tell you the difference between a concentrate, you know, a, a tincture, you know, a, a CBD product versus sativa or indica, what the side effects are, you know, why it's important to label, you know. I mean, there's so much out there that they have no idea about. And we're going to need someone in our community to offer leadership so that the patients in our community get quality ordinances that are going to benefit them. Because if we leave it up to bankers like Alfredo Pedroza, we're not going to get qualitative um, results for our patients. He recently, along with the rest of them, they voted to ban outdoor cultivation. They voted to ban commercial cultivation. They voted to ban medical marijuana dispensaries. This hurts our community. Banning dispensaries opens up a gray market. The gray market, a lot of times the marijuana ends up on our school. The cities have done the same thing. Not Napa. Napa is bringing back on May 3rd. Well, Napa has done – Napa is reconsidering, but Napa did do that, as did St. Helena, did, as did Calistoga, well, as if did you're, Yountville. If you have a recommendation in the city of Napa for Prop 215, you can rest assured you can plant – your recommended amount of uh, cannabis plants in your backyard this summer starting, you know, a lot of people like to plant on 420. So they can know that um, Napa is not passing any outdoor cultivation grows. So the people in the city of Napa, not the, they can pursue their, um, their medicine. 
But when they banned commercial cultivation, you know, being able to cultivate a concentrate that's going to help somebody with cancer is part of this. So when you see house fires get started because somebody's trying to make honey oil in their house, this is a threat to our community. So if the city of Napa would regulate the commercial cultivation, you know, it would make our community safer in that regards by getting rid of potential grows in homes and, you know, making the honey oil in the home, which leads to fires and such. And then the outdoor cultivation in the county limits. Why did they ban that? I don't even think they have the jurisdiction to, to, to enforce that. According to Sheriff Robertson says, we can't even legally enforce that. You know, it's, so why did they do it? I don't know. But they, they banned it, and I want, I'm running to, for office to reverse those bans, to provide the kind of leadership our community needs to keep our community safe, to tax it, to regulate it, to provide safe access for the suffering patients in our community. Is it fair to say that, that you're running really focusing on just a couple of issues as opposed to, to some of the broader issues that, no. that are affecting no. Napa My County? number one issue is if I'm elected, the first thing I'm going to do is represent the voters in my district not the vintners. I'm going to represent the voters, the taxpayers, the people that live in District 2. Because right now, all of us feel we're not being heard and we're not being represented. The wineries are running rampant. They have use permits. They're not following. A significant number of the voters and citizens of District 2 rely on the wine business for a living, I would we're point not, out. Hey, listen, the wine business has been a treasure for the Napa Valley. I've worked in it, my mom's worked in it, my brother's worked in it, my dad's worked in it for a short period of time. It's, it's been here forever. So I'm not against the wine industry. There are a lot of great wineries out there who have year after year after year put forth uh, a tremendous uh, business model. You know, they, they've been sustainable. They've, they've done a great job managing their tasting which are, room. Which are the ones you put in that category? Oh, you know, I mean, there's 500 wineries out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to put in uh, – th- there's some wineries that are out of compliance right now. You know what I mean? And some of these people are building caves. They're making lakes. They're <laughs> – I mean, bocce ball courts, sure. What is a bocce ball court? But I'm just saying there's a lot of people going around with how many people they can serve, you know. <sighs> and – it's known that you can um, just do what you want and ask forgiveness later. That that's the way it is around the county. That um, and that's a system. But that's part of what the APAC process that the county has just gone through for a year and a half has really helped to mitigate and address the idea of self certification of, of a, a lot addressing a self certification. Come on. So are we going to when we legalize medical marijuana? Is it going to be self certified? Well, we're not Probably not. We're I, well, I'm just saying, though, why, why are we – why was – one of them is a toxin. One of them is a poison. One of them kills people every year. One of them has never killed anyone. So what I'm saying is when we move forward with medical marijuana regulations, what are they going to be like? What are, they, what are the regulations like we have right now in alcohol? So I'm not for a police state on the winery, okay? 
if somebody is out there and they're supposed to serve 100 people a day and there's 105 people up there on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, they happen to do a little extra business, you know what I mean, and they serve 105, I'm not saying that our wonderful police chief Steve Potter and our sheriff John Robertson need to interrupt their Sunday to put together a SWAT team to send it up there to the winery to shut it down and raid it like they do medical marijuana grows and such. But what I'm saying is we don't need possibly self we can start with self-monitoring and see where it gets, okay? I'm not running on a main issue of um, how to regulate the wineries. I think it's up to me to represent the people in our district. I don't think a lot of them were satisfied with the outcome of the APAC. But let's be honest, they're not up in arms with it by any means, right? It's, it's, nobody's really talking about the APAC. They're talking about the roads and the infrastructure, and they're talking about the water. Those are the two issues people want to know about. The water and the roads. Is anybody going to fix our potholes? Well, most, But most of the roads in the 2nd District, not all, but most of the roads, the vast majority, 80% or something of the roads of the 2nd District, are city roads, the, the roads that the county has nothing to do with. Correct. What if we re-diversified transient occupancy tax? What if some of that taxes, you know, we've opened up widely our arms to the tourism here, and along with it comes this wonderful economic engine that's the transient occupancy tax. How about if some of that tax went to our infrastructure? Because when you open up the, the door to tourism, it impacts our infrastructure. It impacts our water, our roads, our sewer systems. So rather than just saying, hey, we need to update our sewer system, everybody who owns property is going to get a 53% sewer tax raise. I didn't see anybody get a 53% pay raise. So why don't we re-diversify the transient occupancy tax just a little bit to take off <clears throat> some, of the, uh, some of the burden of all these taxes? You know, there's so much money coming in, and I think some of it could be re-diversified to help out cities, you know, could go to help, help repave some of the um, potholes out there in Westwood. You're talking about the city or the county now? I mean, there are two different jurisdictions. Well, how are we, that... we going to re-diversify the transient occupancy tax, Jeff? You tell me. It's your, your idea. <laughs> well, when I get elected as uh, the Board of Supervisors, we're going to have to have a conversation about re-diversifying it. And when we re-diversify it, I hope that some of those millions of dollars, instead of just continually ending up in marketing, will end up into the city council's budget so that they can get those potholes fixed in Westwood. There are people paying property taxes in Westwood. They're working real hard every day paying taxes, and they're fed up with the potholes in that, in that city. And I know that's just – but they're the voters in my district, okay? And that's what their concern is. They're not talking about, well, the APAC commission is this and this. They're talking about, hey, what are you going to do about these potholes? What I'm saying is we need to find a way to fund our infrastructure and repair it. And that's from, one, we have a $1.8 billion worth of shovel-ready projects for the Napa Valley Transportation Authority or whatever they're being called now. Okay? How are we going to fund $1.8 billion worth of projects? Are we going to get the money from Goldman Sachs for 5%? I mean, I'm going to well, fight. We, we do have money from Measure T coming down the pike in a couple of years. That's terrific. But when we want to borrow money, I want to lobby the Federal Reserve to give us the same economic rights that Wall Street zombie banks get. If you're a Wall Street zombie banker, 
and you want to gamble on our mortgage, the Federal Reserve is going to open up you a line of credit right now at probably 1% or less to gamble on our mortgages. That's insane. I will fight for the same economic rights as these Wall Street zombie banks that are gambling on our mortgage. Our but that's not going to fix the potholes in Westwood. If I'm successful, it's going to alleviate probably 1.6, over $1 billion worth of interest on the $1.8 billion worth of shovel-ready projects. And when you get rid of the billion dollars worth of interest and you're a city councilman, or it's probably going to be still Jill Teckle, probably the mayor. She's probably not going anywhere. Jill Teckle, when she gets to get the infrastructure projects, if she needs a bond to fix her city street, She'll be able to do it without the usury, thanks to my leadership, by lobbying Janet Yellen uh, of the Federal Reserve for the same economic rights. So that's one way I'm going to help fix the potholes in Napa. Okay. As you're out there talking to people in the district, besides the potholes in Westwood, what else are you hearing from people? What else are you responding to? The water quality. Tastes like chlorine. A lot of people are drinking bottled water. Um, people's wells are running dry. We got a problem with our water. You know, in Browns Valley, we've been getting the water notices for the high trihalomethanes. For every three months, we're getting another notice saying, according to the state, you're testing at more than 80 parts per billion of trihalomethanes, and we believe that could cause cancer. It's a carcinogen, so we have to send you this notice. Now we've gotten it under 80 parts per billion, I believe. But um, we can do better than this. You know, the city of Napa gets its drinking water from three sources. The state project from the Delta, the Millican, and also Hennessy. Lake Berryessa, we sold that out to Solano, Solano County. County. So that's a done deal. According to our city water manager, Joy Eldridge, she says that the water coming from the Millican watershed is pristine. She can add a drop of polymer and we can drink it. No filter needed. Why is it so clean? You know, the water coming from the Delta right now has so much organic matter in it. She has to add so much chlorine to it. The byproduct is the trihalomethane that gets to my Browns Valley um, sink. If she says this water in the Millican is so clean because it's underdeveloped, it's undeveloped, it's protected. So we're facing projects like the Walt Ranch. The former ambassador to Austria during the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, Catherine Hall, her and her husband, fracking Wall Street banker Craig Hall, own a winery in St. Helena, Hall Wines. They get awards every year. They're well-known, very I, successful I'm, I'm just, winery. I'm and they have a project curious, called the Walt Ranch. I'm just curious why the Walt Ranch project engenders ad hominem attacks that you can't respond to, you know, the 10,000 pages of EIR and the reality of what's gone on with respect to Walt Ranch and the mitigation measures that are taking place without turning into the ad hominem attacks on the people that own the property. Who attacked who? And I, first of all, I, I just stated their facts. Catherine Hall is the former ambassador to Austria during the Clinton administration, and her husband makes his money with fracking and successful Wall Street banking transactions, okay? So he's a, he's a Wall Street banker, and he participates in fracking. He's not known to be a steward of the land. He's been known as being quoted as saying, I don't see trees, I see money. 
But I wasn't bringing that point up. I was just making a point that his career, I'm a medical marijuana consultant. He's a fracker slash Wall Street banker. She's a former ambassador. They own a little winery in St. Helena called Hall. It's next to Sutter Home on the highway. They make great wine. I've drank many of it in my life. Not many. I've had about six bottles maybe in my lifetime. Anyways, no doubt about it. They make great wine. But the Walt Ranch is a bad idea for the quality of drinking water for the Napa Valley. Because when you remove all those trees, 28,000 trees at the top of the watershed, what that does is the roots go. So when it rains, the soil is loose and the soil will run into the watershed when it rains. Right. But the, and along the, with the, it will come the pesticides, a 50, the glyphosate. A $50,000 report and $4 million that have been spent so far in examining mitigation measures for this. And, and, and many experts totally disagree with you. Well, like I said— when you are the former ambassador to Austria, a little banking uh, community over there in the European Union, and you're also a successful um, Wall Street banker, fracker, you have all kinds of economic resources to hire. I mean, I'm sure the more money he spends on the IR and the bigger it gets, the more afraid anybody is going to try to challenge it. We get that. But we know the simple facts. The deforestation is going to compromise our watershed. Do you disagree? Well, it's not really a question of whether I disagree. There's ample evidence that says that that's not necessarily the case. So when you have a Class three stream at the top of our watershed, it's, it's not always water there, but it is right after it rained, and then it drains into the Class two, the Class one as it widens up. Our Class one streams and Class two streams now have protections. The trees that are close to it are protected. The Class three are not. It's time we step up our protection and protect the Class 3 streams. We do not want to see – Craig Hall's solution is if he goes through with this project, the city of Napa can put in a water filter for $20 million. And he's not even willing to pick up the tab on that, and he's a successful Wall Street banker. So, we, again, we'd have to borrow money probably from him at 5% to get this, and then we can just add chlorine to it and have another cup of trihalomethanes. And the people that live in my district that are paying property taxes would rather have pristine water than trihalomethanes. So most of us, not all of us, most of us in my district oppose the Walt Ranch, and most of us support the Napa County Water Forest and Oak Woodland Protection Initiative of 2016. Which isn't even qualified yet to be on the ballot right now as long as <clears throat> you know ballot initiatives and referendums and things like this in my short political career i've been involved in a few of them and i've seen some of them sabotaged so i don't want to say I, I i'm saying it's going to be on there and i'm taking bets on it if anybody wanted to bet it's going to we have the signatures and we're going to have the signatures to qualify if it gets sabotaged along the way somehow, I can't guarantee that won't happen. You know, there's been a chance, a couple of chances already where I've seen um, it get vulnerable. I'm trying to make sure that people make sure they protect it and that it does not get compromised or sabotaged. Because we were part of a referendum in 2014 to overturn the city of Napa's medical marijuana dispensary ban. And unfortunately, we didn't meet the um, criteria to get it on the ballot. It's a lot harder to get a referendum because you only have 30 days as opposed mm -hmm. to 180. So you've got to get the signatures from 10% of the people a lot quicker. And unfortunately, our referendum was flawed. A lot of people don't even know it, but each packet had the opportunity to collect 11 signatures. 
six on the front page, five on the back page. And the attorney left the title off the back, the second page. So five of our 11 signatures were automatically disqualified. So we put a lot of hard work out there in December and January back then trying to get that. And it was um, sabotaged or unsuccessful, and that was misfortune. I mean, the only it didn't look like we had the signatures anyways, but it was unfortunate that we couldn't count them all to see if we had them. And then I was part of the recent referendum for the state of California against uh, Senate Bill 277 that Dr. Pan wrote, the mandatory vaccination bill that's going to kick kids out of school. So many of us opposed this, and we collected a lot of signatures to get that on the, on the ballot. But unfortunately, the day they were supposed to be turned in, and that night, in the middle of the night, more than 100,000 signatures went missing in the middle of the night, including 20,000 from one county down in Southern California. And our initiative, and this was led by, um, excuse me, this referendum was led by the former Tea Party Assemblyman uh, Tim Donnelly. It was sabotaged, and Tim Donnelly was unavailable afterwards to talk for comment. I still haven't heard an apology from him or even really what's happened to those other 100,000 signatures that went missing somehow in the middle of the night. But a lot of people are upset with that. So this initiative, though, now is going very well. I've collected, I'd say, just under 600 signatures for it myself. And most people, when you're standing in front of Safeway or Whole Foods, they're not willing to talk to you to sign anything. They're not going to give you the time of day. But maybe one out of seven people will. And when one of those people do, I'd say 80% of them support this initiative. And I'd say 70% of them enthusiastically support it, saying, thank you for being out here. Keep, keep getting it. Hey, I'm going to send my husband down here to sign it when he comes out of the store. You know, the, you know you're going to be out here tomorrow. Thank you for doing this. So I know if it gets on the ballot, which I believe it's going to be if it's not sabotaged, if voters are going to support it as well. So, you know. Question is, will the Board of Supervisors back it up? When we have these protections in place and someone like Craig Hall says, well, I'm going to take down these 28,000 trees and ask forgiveness later, what is the Board of Supervisors going to do? Are they going to bring Craig Hall into compliance or are they going to punish him? I don't want him to take down the 28,000 trees. I don't want to lose our quality water for the Napa Valley. I want to know that every person paying property taxes right now who's just working their butt off every day in our community, so hard to make that mortgage payment, so hard, while the bankers are taking all that interest doing nothing. They're working so hard at these low wages right now, trying to keep that roof over their head. Some of them are participating in the Airbnb business opening up their doors to tourism and they're being discriminated against for doing so at the city and county level. Although the city is being very good lately, they're coming along, they're really bringing people into compliance in a good way there and issuing permits. So that's, that's very good on the city's behalf. So maybe the county could take a tip from the city there in that regard and start um, letting some of the people in the county uh, come into compliance with their uh, hosted accommodation opportunities. But like I said, a lot of people are working really hard to keep that house and keep that roof over their head. And damn it, they deserve clean water coming out of that tap. And if I'm elected to the Board of Supervisors, I'll promise everyone in this district, nobody's going to buy me out and compromise my stance. I will fight for you every single day to make sure we have clean water free of carcinogens coming out of your sink. And I'm going to fight so hard for you to get rid of some of that usury that's associated with your home mortgage. You know, having shelter is a right. 
and uh, you deserve the same economic rights as these Wall Street zombie banks. I'm going to do everything I can to improve the standard even, of even living. Even though those aren't county issues per se, as, as I mentioned. The county before. has a legislative subcommittee meeting. I can be part of that subcommittee. I can offer state and federal leadership to solve the problems for the working people in our community that aren't being represented right now by everyone in Congress and everyone in the state. You know, they represent the corporations that, that put them there. Citizens United has made this an oligarchy. And you know what? I might not be successful. I may not get their mortgage rates reduced. But I'm not going to sit by and say, oh, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to fight for it, man. I'm going to say, hey, let's write Janet Yellen a letter. Let's call her out. Let's demand the same economic rights as Wall Street. This is America. We're supposed to treat people equally here. You know, when it comes to gun rights, everybody's got the same gun rights. How come when it comes to economic rights, we don't have the same rights? So I'm going to fight for economic rights. I'm not saying I'll be successful, but I'm going to try. And that's more than anybody else can say that's on that board of supervisors. Not one of them supported raising minimum wage, and that's a shame. Could you imagine, you know, people come to downtown Napa every single night for the wonderful food. And I'm telling you, you can't get a better steak than at Cole's Chop House. I've had them before. I've had them in Vegas. The service you get at Cole's Chop House, it's, 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 it's unbelievable, you know. And when you're having this world-class food, you know, sure, the bartender's doing real well and the waiters are doing real well. Even the busboys are doing pretty good. The hostess is doing really well. But when you go into the back of the kitchen, except for the chef, everybody underneath the chef, all those line cooks, they're working for $12 or less an hour. They're making that salad look so perfect so when that chef, when that waiter sets it on your plate, that customer's smiling and he wants to come back or she wants to come back to the Napa Valley. They remember this. It's time that those people in the kitchen making those perfect salads, those perfect desserts, cooking that steak to that right temperature, that they get paid a fair living wage. And that starts at 15 bucks an hour right now. And if Walmart, Target, and Starbucks and McDonald's can't keep up, shame on them. Hit the road, Jack. We need to set a $15 an hour pay floor for all productive jobs in the Napa Valley. That includes bottling line, and that includes working in the kitchen at these world-class restaurants we have in downtown Napa. So hopefully, if the county raises the minimum wage... The city will do the same because those are the kind of people that I want to represent that I'm, that I'm running for office for. James Hinton, candidate for supervisor of the 2nd District. Well, I thank you so much for coming well, in. Can I say one more thing, Jeff? Of course. I want to invite everybody out there listening to join me this week down on the corner of 3rd and Main Street at the Napa Courthouse. Join me in solidarity as we support Hakeem Brown and try to end the war on medical marijuana in our community. We'll be out there starting at 8.30 every morning with coffee and donuts. Please come down and join us and support the cause. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com.